Good morning, LCM. Today is December 29th, 2019. The title of today's service is Cultivated Kohanim and Chief Priests. Cultivated Kohanim and Chief Priests. You know, I hadn't got a chance to tell you this in a while, but man, do I love my church. I love his church too. This is a special, special place. See, I want to talk to you just for a second. Um, You know what's going on in our family, as Pastor Eric just announced. There's something that's very important for us as believers. This is a great time for my family. Uh, I look at Christy's father as my father for the last 23 years or so, literally called him Pop as an affectionate term for him. Um, Joy, this is not in any notes. Would you put up 1 Thessalonians? I think it's 4.13. This is a great example for us, and this is part of what we're going to be talking about today. Brothers and sisters, well, that must be a 2011 version got to make sure we get everybody because goodness knows the women in the room can't figure it out if we don't say sisters in there but brothers and sisters we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope see our only choice here as a family as a Sutherland family as we're joining with Christie's family is of course it is appropriate for us to cry of course that is appropriate. But we don't mourn like those with no hope. That's right. See, we are not mourning Bob. He is in heaven. He is in a glorified body. He is the best that he has ever been in his entire existence. Woo! So we're going to not mourn like those who have no hope because we have the infinite amount of hope in our God. As the calls are coming in, this is what, you're, this is what my wife and I are saying. Thank you, Lord. You are trustworthy. You are right and true in all that you do. We want to bring you glory in how we respond in these moments. That's why we're here with you today. That's why we could be a lot of other places and the uh, expectation of many is that we would be. See, they don't mind if a football coach goes and coaches at a football game, even when he loses someone. But for someone to actually value church and the Lord's more than anything is a very, very foreign concept. But we are here today because we love you and we love the Lord above all else. See, we're not going to mourn. You're not going to see us mourn. You may see us cry. It's true. But we're not mourning as those who have no hope. You're going to see tears of joy. You're going to see tears of excitement to be here with you and watch what the Lord is going to do in your life today. Who's the fastest man in the room? Who said I am? Bim, stand up. Bim, how old are you? A 77-year-old man just outran you to the goal that everybody in here is shooting for. Sit down and honor him. Do you guys love the Sutherland family? Listen, they are a model of a victorious and overcoming example and attitude. Amen? Hey, we've had a chance as a leadership team to get away and pray and hear from the heavens and get some some vision for what God's going to do. So the pastors met as a team building kind of exercise and hearing from God a week ago. And then here recently this weekend, we got together with the elders. You know, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's always a good time when you get to hang out with the elders. And in that course of time, we were able to further uh, refine and get Good clarity as a leadership team for what God's about to do in this next year. We're standing up preaching because we can now not sit down after meeting with the elders. <laughs> Look, we're really excited about what's coming because we're, we're announcing in stages 
what we are now going to focus everything at in 2020. Uh, this morning, our, our whole concept is that our cultivation of Kohanim, which are priests, moves from an ordinary priest to chief priest. That we are elevating the priesthood. Tuesday night, we're going to talk to you about purifying that priesthood. Mm. Next Sunday, we're going to talk to you about the way it becomes a perpetual priesthood. Mm. But right now, we start in the book of Revelation, and we're going to be in the first chapter. Could everybody get there? Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4 is where we're going to start. It says this, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. That's you Filipino Christians. <laughs> Grace and peace to you from him who is. Somebody say who is. Who, who is. is. And who was. Say who was. Who, who was. was. And who is to come. Who is, who to, is come. to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Man, you should already feel your spirit enlivening today just by listing the characteristics of our great Savior. To him who loves us. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. All right, I'm just making sure I'm in the right place. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. My gosh, we could spend the rest of today and tomorrow and on into next year preaching about what this one small passage is. But see, there exists the person that you are now. The man who is. Somebody say, who is? Who is. See, what are you right now in this moment? You're the compilation of your choices. You're the compilation of your dedications here. What you have cultivated has produced the man that you are. The one who is. There's the person that exists who you were before. The man who was. Somebody say, who was? Who was. Whoever that was five minutes ago. See, you should already be better than you were five minutes ago. Or last week, or last month, or goodness knows, 20 years ago. And there's also a person that exists of what you will be, the man who is to come. Say, is to come. Is Is to to come. come. Who is, who was, and is to come. See, this is not only a picture of who Jesus Christ is. It's giving us a picture. It's setting a framework for us to understand who we are, who we were, and who we must become. Amen. Now look, when we say this, don't just think of your life before Christ. Instead, focus on your life being cultivated. Everybody say cultivated. Cultivated. After being born again. Because here's the point. You are a born again believer who is. Say who is. Who, who is. is. Who is at a certain level of ministry. This comes from having a sobering thought of exactly where you are in Christ after being born again. But praise God, it doesn't just stop there. Because you are a born-again believer who was. Say who was. Who was. Who was was at a certain level of ministry. And it goes beyond that. You are a born-again believer who is to come. Say who is to come. Who Who is is to come. come. Into a greater level of ministry. Hitting all those same three things that we read in Revelation. Look, Revelation makes the assertion that Jesus is the faithful witness means that he is that cultivated, or he, he cultivates that witness. Revelation makes the assertion that Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. That is why he's declared a Cohen or a priest. Revelation also makes the assertion that Jesus is coming as the ruler of the kings of the earth, a chief priest that is over the entirety of creation. 
Are you gathering those tenses? When Jesus is a faithful witness, that's what he is right now. That's how you should see him right now. When he was the firstborn from among the dead, he already did that. That is a part of who he was. Of course, it continues with him, but that's in the past. He is now a witness. He was the firstborn from among the dead, and he is still something to come. Yeah. Right now, he's your king. He's the ruler of your life, but he's not the king of the king of India. He is not the leader of Vladimir Putin. He is not the king over every king in their eyes, but a day is coming when that will be true even in their eyes. That is largely what the book of Revelation is about. He is a perfect model of continuous cultivation of growth, displaying God's perfect sovereignty in priestly duties. This is an ever-increasing fashion until Jesus is recognized not just as priest, not just as Savior, but as chief priest over every man, woman, child, power, principality on the earth and in heaven. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. The reason we're talking to you about this right now is the man you were, whether you're thinking about it yesterday or five minutes ago, I'm not talking about the man before Christ. I'm talking about the man before you entered this church. I'm talking about the man before we entered our last sermon series. I'm talking about the man in the parking lot before you entered into worship today. He was still loved by God. And he was cultivated in love. Say he loved me yesterday. He loved loved me yesterday. yesterday. That's good news. Because he loved you when you were worse off. You ought to be growing every day, and he still loved you when you were worse off. He cultivated you in that love. The man you are, say every day. Every Every day. day. It's freed from your sins by his blood. You are still being freed every day, but you are progressing in that freedom every day. You're not using it as uh, a cover-up for evil. You There is the man who ministered before, and he was at a certain level. There is the man that you are today, and that's further every day. There are the sins you were freed from and the sins you are still being freed from. But all of this speaks of progress. You're being established as a Cohen or a priest. The man you are becoming, say I am becoming. I I am becoming. becoming. Is a kingdom priest. One who serves the God and Father of Jesus Christ. You are growing from a Cohen, a priest, and into our head that is a chief priest. You are becoming more like him every day. That is the goal of this message. We are elevating the priesthood today. Say elevating. 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 Turn with us to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 12. Man, this is not only an elevating sermon. It's not only an elevating service, but it's going to be an elevating time for our entire church. And that's going to start with you today. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. Say there when you're there. There. Say elevating when you're there. So, so I will always remind you of these things. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for having the word that will always remind us of these things, even though you know them. Wait, but you're going to still remind us. Yes, you already know these things. And the Holy Spirit is going to help remind you and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Do you hear the three tenses in this passage? Do you hear it again? I'm going to always remind you. You have them now, but you've already had them. See, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Wow. A temporary dwelling place for us. See, from the moment you were in Christ, you were established in truth. 
But you now have that truth. Established in the truth that you now have. Somebody say now have. Now Now have. have. It has always been your job to cultivate that truth so that you can continue to grow in it. That's what the entire book of Peter is about. Yeah. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 5. Say elevating when you're getting there. Elevating. Elevate. There we go. For this very reason, make every effort to add. That sounds like elevating to me. Yeah. Every effort. Every effort, not partial, not three-quarter, not 90%, every effort to add. To your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in what kind of measure? Increasing. Uh, Increasing, elevating measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we're making every effort to add increasing measures, that means that we are cultivating our role as a Kohen or a priest. We're elevating as a Kohen or priest. This elevation of the priestly status of every believer in this room is exactly what our aim in this message is today. Look at your spouse and say, elevate me, baby. Elevate me, baby. We're going to make each other better today. We want to cultivate from priest to chief priest. Say chief priest. Chief priest. Do you guys want to elevate from priest to chief priest? Yes. Well, look, as we turn to John 11, I want you to take note that our thoughts there is often only of one chief priest. It's true that there, are, there is only one high priest, but the Newer Testament uses the term chief priest in a plural for version, get this, 65 times. There's a reason for this. There's a transition. When we speak of high priest, this is uh, an English derivative of a Hebrew term speaking about a singular man. By the time we get to Greek, the word chief simply means those priests that are elevated, those, those priests that are higher in rank. There can be only one high priest, but there are many Chief priest. Does that make sense? And sometimes chief priest is synonymous with high priest. Let's go to John 11, verse 47. Elevated. Elevated. Come on. Where where are the rest of you? Joanna, shout it out. Elevated. Elevated. Amen. John 11, 47. Then the chief... What's it say? Priest. Priest, plural. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? Man, that's a question I wish Christians would ask themselves sometimes. What are we accomplishing? Here is the man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Look, I want you to notice the reverse validation going on here. The effectiveness of Jesus as a faithful witness... They acknowledge that he's performing many miraculous signs. Look at the effectiveness of Jesus as a priest. They know that everyone will soon believe in him. This is a concern. The real concern, though, that they have is not about Jesus' witness. It's not about Jesus as a priest. Their real concern is that the kingdom that he's building, that it will take away their place and their nation. It's amazing how selfish interests work against the elevation of your priesthood. 
Of course the kingdom he's building will have required them to change, to be transformed into their true calling and their true place and their true position. They had to make a choice whether they wanted the one God designed for them or the one they designed for themselves. And we will have to make the same choice. Of course the kingdom he's building would have required them to completely change into the true calling that they each as individuals had. How they related to their nation and their people. They had a choice to make between their design and God's design. Look, what they tended to see as loss, and so do many believers, tend to see as loss. It should have been seen as cultivation. Anytime you're finding a higher way to do something, anytime you're finding a harder way to do something, anytime more devotion is required, you are finding the cultivation of your heart. We don't, we, well, we have to assure you, you are going to lose some things. But there were things that were derived from self, not from heaven. See, and maybe today this is where you're sitting already. Well, pastor, yeah, aren't we all supposed to be priests? Yes, yes, you're supposed to be priests. We're already struggling to find that standard, pastor. Yes, and we're asking you to go higher. Amen. That's exactly what we're doing. We're saying you need to get elevated. See, because these men, as they're standing here, as we're talking about elevating your priesthood today. See, I, I want to assure you that you are, in fact, going to feel a sense of loss of your place and a loss of your people. See, isn't it interesting? Sometimes uh, as pastors, we work really hard to listen to what you're saying. Sometimes you're not listening to what you're saying, but we're listening very, very hard at what you're saying. See, I think what I think their true heart slips out in this verse that's on the screen but, but if we go on like this, they're going to come and take away something from us. They're going to take away our place and our nation. Which one came first? Were they trying to be patriotic? No, I, I think they might have just thrown that in just to show that they were trying to be godly. Hey, but what about me? But what about my place? What does it mean if we have to elevate? What things have to be left behind for you to elevate? See, that's really what we're getting at here today. The real question is, where are your allegiances going to lie if you have given your life completely to Christ? See, what do you say? What we say is one thing, but what we do is an entirely different thing. How much are you going to have to elevate? When you elevate, you have to leave things behind. You have to leave it behind. Like, what is your obligation to your relatives? Hmm. We've had to consider that deeply. As a church body over the last, over our history as a church. We've had to consider that these last few days as a family. What are your obligations to your relatives? What is your obligation to the perception of others? Oh, pastor, we don't, we're not worried about that. Okay, amen. You just keep telling yourself that. That might be who you're about to become and we're going to believe in that today. What about your perception, not even with others, but in your own heart? I've got to do this because I feel obligated. Can you really say that you've lost your life in Christ without answering these basic questions? See, if you've left nothing, then what do you have to offer the king? No, I just came to him. No, this is not a both and in this case where you get to keep what you were and to advance into something that God has for you. It's always going to cost you everything. But, but I have given him everything. I mean, pastor, I did, I did sell a house that one time way back in the day. 1972. You know what you young people problem is? We're talking about today. 
We're talking about today and what you are to become. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 21. We're going to talk about cultivating the koanim to chief priests. Hey, by the way, pastor dropped on you a beautiful revelation that is chief priests in the Newer Testament. I, I was blessed by that. I got to be honest. I had no idea. Didn't know that at all until pastor shared that. Y'all act like y'all already knew that. Did y'all already know they're chief priests? See, this is not just a singular person. This is not just for the men on the stage. This is for every man and woman in this room. Amen. Are you ready for it to get real in here? Yes. We're about to strike at the nerve center of your spiritual being. So brace yourselves. If you're a little sleepy, if you went to prison ministry, rouse yourself because you're going to want to learn this today. We've been cultivating this word for years, but really focusing on it over the last three weeks. And it's about to rock your world. Mm. Leviticus 21, starting in verse 1. Ready to rock your world. Here we go. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die, except for a close relative. Except for a close relative. Such as his mother or father, his son or daughter, his brother, or an unmarried sister who is dependent on him since she has no husband. For her, he may make himself unclean. He must not make himself unclean for people related to him by marriage and so defile himself. That's, a, that's an elevated standard for a priest. As a Kohen, you could not stop your God-ordained work because a married sister got died. I mean, a married sister died. As a Kohen, you could not stop your God-ordained work because an in-law died. Wow. That's, that's hitting close to home. As a Kohen, you could put everything on hold for the death of a father, mother, brother, son, or daughter. Somebody say that's devotion. That's devotion. Somebody say that's serious dedication. That's serious dedication. That's serious dedication to God's work. Somebody say that's allegiance. That's allegiance. It's allegiance to the Lord above all. Above all. When you're looking at this, we're going to walk through the rest of Leviticus 21. It's important for you to understand that God drew lines. He said, not for your in-laws, you can't stop your work. Not even for your own sister, once she's married, you can't stop your work. But you can, say can, can stop your work for your own father, for your own mother. He said, you could do that. Man, are we talking about devotion? Mm -hmm. What's verse 7? They must not marry women defiled by prostitution. How'd I make it into the priesthood? Oh, she's not listening to me. No, mine, mine was a pure flower. I, uh, I want you to understand it didn't matter who you loved. It didn't. It mattered very much what their history had been here. That feels unchristian, doesn't it? It's a standard for the priests, though. They must not marry a woman defiled by prostitution or divorced from their husbands. Does that feel harsh to you? If this is like any room in America, 50% are divorced. A priest could not marry somebody who was divorced because the priests are holy to their God. Regard them as holy because they offer up the food
food of your God. Consider them holy because I am the Lord am holy. I who make you holy. As a Kohen, you couldn't marry a former prostitute. As a Kohen, you could not marry a divorcee. As a Kohen, your standards for marriage exceeded other people's standards. Understand, this was not a standard for everybody. In fact, what was Rahab's profession? She was a prostitute. She's called the prostitute twice even in the Newer Testament, but never called the liar, the one thing Christians worry about. Rahab married a man from Judah and ended up in the lineage of Christ. But she could not marry a Kohen because their standards were different. The things that other Israelites could do, a Kohen could not do because of his level of devotion had to be greater than other Israelites. And that's, that's devotion to the Lord above perception, isn't it? That's devotion to the Lord above your feelings, isn't it? I want you to consider what else it means, though. They got to work in the tabernacle, and no other Israelite did. No other Israelite's occupation was at the tabernacle, and theirs was. A greater devotion also brought a greater privilege. Come on, say greater devotion. Greater Greater devotion. devotion. Means greater privilege. Means greater privilege. You're going to learn that there is a relationship between your level of devotion and what God privileges you with. There's a... There's a link here. Let's look at verse 10. It says this, the high priest. See, we've just been talking about the Kohen, the priest, who are already at an elevated standard. And the Lord's going to elevate it more. The high priest, the one among his brothers who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must not let his hair become, become unkempt or tear his clothes. He must not enter a place where there is a dead body. He must not make himself unclean, even for his father or mother. Nor leave the sanctuary of his God or desecrate it. Because he has been dedicated by the anointing oil of his God. I am the Lord. See, do you see this difference that we're trying to illustrate to you? A coin could set us aside work if it was a close relative that died. But a chief priest could not. There were many Kohen, but only a few chief priests. See, the Kohen got to work at the tabernacle, but a chief priest got to go and enter the Holy of Holies. Whoa, how far do you want to go? Oh, not only did three or four of you answer, you answered before you considered the level of devotion that is required to go into the Holy of Holies. Everything we do today will be aimed at elevating the priesthood. We all have different levels of ministry and they require different levels of devotion, but nobody's excluded from growing. See, there's a seriousness that we're having here in this moment, isn't it? See, if you're starting to think, man, I thought I've already given the Lord everything. At least that's what I say. That's what I intended. That's what I meant in my heart, at least. what I intended to say. That's what I intended to say. (laughs) See, but what we're looking at Maybe you're feeling exactly like your, your pastors and your elders did. Where we're listening and we're watching through, we're looking through these scriptures and tears are filling my eyes. Lord, what a great privilege it is to get to enter into your sanctuary. You deserve a elevated devotion from me. You deserve, Lord, how many things have I been saying have already been elevated, but the truth is, is they've been as common as anyone else. Lord, there has to be an elevation here. The Kohen got to work at the tabernacle, 
See, but the chief priest got to go into where his presence was. That's what we're driving at today. You guys hearing the, the call to elevate your priesthood. And for whose benefit? It's for yours. It's for us collectively. As we all elevate our priesthood, we are all experiencing that holy of holies moment. And able to receive from God what we need. Verse 13. The woman he marries must be a virgin. He must not marry a widow, a divorced woman, or a woman defiled by prostitution, but only a virgin from his own people. So he will not defile his offspring among his people. I am the Lord who makes him holy. Now, did y'all hear that, that, that difference? A Cohen could marry a widow, but a chief priest could only marry a virgin. Not a Virginian. A virgin. <laughs> That's elevating the priesthood. It's the lever state. <laughs> Are you seeing that the level of sacrifice and devotion increases as the privilege of representing God grows in responsibility? Pastor, say that again. Yes. You need to dial into this. You really got to catch it. How many of you would like to see the dead raised? Yes. Yes. How many of you would like to see blind eyes open? How many of you would like to see extraordinary salvation and miraculous powers in a first century church? Yes. Well, that requires that the level of sacrifice and devotion increase as the privilege of representing God grows in responsibility. See, God loved every level of the priesthood and he loves every single one of you. If you want to grow in your level of ministry, then you must grow in the level of your devotion to ministry. Oh, come on. Woo. Good. You want to grow in ministry? Yes. Then you have to grow in your level of devotion to that ministry. You yes. have to. How many of us express this with our mouth, but in our actions, there is not an increasing level of devotion. I'm so proud of the Sutherlands. I've watched every year their devotion increase. I want you to understand something. Christy just stood on this stage and led you in worship, led you into the presence of God, and her father has just died. Mm. What does it take to keep you out of church? Man, can you feel the spirit of holiness calling us to higher ground? Can you feel it? Yes. Now, look, uh, this is a serious subject for sure, and we intend to be encouraging. If you will not be encouraged, then we'll resort to spurring. Because we're, we're not going to allow us to not elevate the priesthood. Right. Somebody say, the Lord loves me. The Lord loves me. But it requires me to elevate. But it requires me to elevate. Holiness is calling us to higher ground today. Maybe the things that have been acceptable in your past are just no longer acceptable at your present level of ministry. When I see Kaylee, she's growing. When I see Gabby, she's growing. You know what that means, Kaylee, Gabby? It means that things you did last year, you can't do this year. Because God is replacing them with a higher level of ministry. Come on, Come on Leslie, is that true? Look, Assad, we're seeing you prophesy in tongues. Maybe last year you caught a baseball game, but this year, you're like, no man, I'm going after the word. That doesn't make baseball wrong, it makes it wrong for him. What level of ministry is God calling you to? Come on. See, we believe that God wants to take us from being comfortable, complacent Cohen to a higher level of chief Cohen. Come on, man. LCM is being called to a higher level of ministry. We are to become chief priest. 
that requires us to cultivate Kohanim devotion. There were different levels of requirements. The Kohen could marry a widow, but the chief Kohen could not marry a widow. The Kohen could rest from his work and go grieve when his father or mother died. A chief Kohen could not do that. When God calls you to higher ground, more is required of you. He loves you right where you're at. I want you to get that. But he wants to elevate you. And with that devotion comes greater privilege. The priest, he had provisions for doing things that a chief priest had no provision for. Did that mean that the priest was unholy? No, not at all. Just meant he wasn't a chief priest. The chief priest stayed in the sanctuary at all cost. No matter what, that's what he did. He had to remain in a place in life that did not go back to anything that was considered dead. I want you to think through that for a minute. It's easy to go, wow, man, that, that, that chief priest, that's really something. Has God called you to lead, leave dead comforts? Is there something in your life that was not a sin? It was just, a, just something you found comfort in. And God's saying, I want to move you beyond that. It's time to get off the noonie. It's time, time to put the sippy cup away. It, it, it's time to put on your adult pants. You're supposed to be growing in ministry. Do you have a comfort in your life that has become a dead coping mechanism? It's like, well, it's not sin. No, it's not sin to go do woodworking. It's not sin to do all kinds of things. Unless it is pulling you away from the higher level of ministry that you're called to. So I just need my rest. You do not need rest more than you need the presence of God. Well, I just need this. As you grow in your level of ministry, it's because you grew in your level of devotion. Do you have dead relationships in your life? Well, I've been friends with him for 30 years. Well, I'm really proud that you have a 30-year friendship. Is it based on the life of God? Or have you been friends for 30 years because you have agreed not to challenge their lives? Because Cohens don't get to take days off for their friendships. They're a Cohen all of the time. Do you have relationships in your life that you run back to and you find comfort in because they were high school buddies? You have dead desires for your children? Like it's not wrong at all for somebody to want their kid to be an MIT graduate. We need them and I'm thankful for them. But the Cohen's children... The Cohen's children were to become Cohen. The chief priest's children were to become chief priest. They had to die to the desires of the average Israelite. They couldn't go back to him and say, you know, I really want my kid to be a real estate magnet. What kind of desires do you have in your life that are dead? He said, no, no, they're not dead. I'm breathing life into them. Did they come from God's throne or did they originate in your mind? Did they come from his word or did they originate through your sense of social perception? See, if we're going to elevate the priesthood, our our level of devotion has got to elevate. God loves you right where you're at. That's without question. But his love is cultivating something in us that demands more ministry. Somebody say amen. Amen. Elevate me, Lord. Elevate me, Lord. See, when the Lord's anointing oil is on you. See, your response to adversities must represent the Lord. Not your people, not your place, not your plans, not your desires. You are not allowed to represent yourself in the matter because you have the anointing oil upon you. 
Isn't that the point of the anointing oil? It's to mark you. It's to show that something is different about you. You must elevate yourself and say, I'm not allowed to respond this way. I can't anticipate. I mean, if this ever happened to me, then you would have to just give me a little while. No. No. You represent the Lord. It is your responsibility to represent Him and represent Him only. Boy, that takes some elevation in our lives, doesn't it? Man, those thoughts that we're okay with because they came from our hearts. So we're like, no, no, no. This is appropriate for me to think, is it? What level of priest are you at? Are you working towards being a chief priest? Then maybe your normal average response, maybe the response that was okay for you five years ago is no longer acceptable. But you're trying to use old thoughts, old heart old mentality. They're dead and you've got to let them go. You are not allowed to be in their presence. Things that were acceptable in the Moloch's life five years ago. And they were not sin then. Because they were good-hearted, they were driven from their understanding of the Word, are old dead habits that they can't go back to. Can nobody relate to that in this room? I want you to understand that the Lord loved the Molochs then. He loves the Molochs now. But if we continue to repeat dead behaviors, you can't elevate your priesthood that way. And the Spirit is calling us to elevate the priesthood in the room. This is not a sermon of what all you must do. This is a privilege of what God is calling you to to get to do. It's a beautiful thing. He's elevating us in this room today. And you will be able to identify what has to fall away from your life. And it won't be from looking at someone else's. We're at different levels of ministry in here. But those that want to minister at the highest levels better have the highest level of devotion. That's right. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 7. See, let's look at what God said to Aaron when two of his sons died. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 7. This is God speaking to the chief priest, to the high priest. He says, do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting or you will die. Because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. Wow, do you see why it's so ludicrous when this, this idea in our modern society about anointing, what anointing is, it's the, it's the goosebumps that you get? No, 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 no. There's a, there's a great responsibility. There's a great privilege somebody say privilege Privilege. that comes along with this anointing oil so they did as moses said man shouldn't we examine our own level of priesthood see one of the ways to do it is to look at what it takes to pull you away from meeting with the lord how easily distracted do you get how easily can you leave the tent of meeting to look at what it takes to get you to forget that His anointing oil is on you and your actions are not your own, but you represent Him. There is a weightiness to what He is trying to do in you and you value Him more than anything else. You value His approval more than your comfort, more than your relationships, more than any of those dead coping mechanisms that we just talked about. See, are you going to miss church for a football game or baseball practice or a movie premiere? See, the Lord still loves you, but you can't elevate your priesthood like that. Does the slightest sickness, inconvenience, or extra five minutes of traffic keep you from God-ordained meeting times? I mean, I was already going to be late, Pastor. So the only logical solution was, since I was going to be a few minutes late, was to not go. Because I really didn't want to be there anyway, but I don't want to acknowledge that to you. I want to be seen as a high priest, and I am a peon priest. (laughs) Wow. See, these things are showing the excuses that we hold on to. This is a true story. 
from my life. I was late to a meeting, and I got stopped by a train in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was so thankful for the train, because then I had an excuse that I could tell everyone that felt valid to me. I didn't tell them that I was already late, and I was so thankful that the train stopped me. Yes! Guys, I got stopped by a train. What could I do? See, what a low level of thinking that was in my life. And I'm sure that I'm the only one that's ever done that. So, Did the Lord love him at that time, though? Yes. He just couldn't elevate his priesthood acting that way. Praise God. God moved him to elevate his priesthood. <laughs> Do you make commitments to minister on behalf of the Lord and then break those commitments because something has happened or something hasn't happened? See, those are instances that are identifying for you what is killing your priesthood. Hey, stay with us for a second. It's okay to have a baby crying. Don't you miss. Don't you miss what we're saying here. See, you are just identifying, the Holy Spirit is identifying to you right now in this message the things that are killing your priesthood. What a gracious and awesome God that we have to be showing you and speaking to you right now about that. Because the truth is that the Lord still loves you, but you can't elevate your priesthood like that. I want you guys to pay close attention to what I'm I'm about to say. This is a very, very important point. Those that are devoted to the Lord are anointed in special ways. And say it again. Those that are devoted to the Lord are anointed in special ways. And those that are anointed in special ways must show special devotion. You ever sang the song, Anointing Fall on Me? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's easy if we're just asking for something. It's, it's, it's like, give me another Christmas gift, Lord. But when He entrusts you with more, yes. more is required of you. He wants to elevate our ministries. He does. See, what the Lord's heart is right now is that there is a cultivation of the Kohanim inside of this very room. He wants to elevate you to chief priest with special access to his power and to his presence. We can only do it through special devotion and reverence for his name above all, above everything that's out there. Who agrees his name is the name above every name? Yes. But do your actions show that his name is the name above every name? Well, they did one time. Yeah, every day. All day is his name and his reputation and his body of work the singular most important thing in your life. Christians say yes to that all of the time, but it's, it's not a reality. For the chief priest, it was a reality. Yeah. For the Kohen, it was a reality most of the time. God's elevating our priesthood. He's heightening your awareness of it. We're going to turn to the book of Malachi. And as we turn to the book of Malachi, that book was written in the 500s. And it addresses addresses a time just like ours. Malachi, Haggai, and Zechariah were prophets turning the attention of the people away from their own pursuits and towards the aim of the Lord. See, Malachi is special among the three because it almost... Or it, it almost exclusively indicts, addresses, and admonishes the priesthood to a higher level. It is the 
ninth book of the Tanakh with only four chapters and 55 verses. But it uses all 1,783 words to cultivate the Kohanim to a higher place, to an elevated priesthood. Do you want to elevate the priesthood? Yes. The book of Malachi is completely dedicated to that purpose. Let's pick up in the first chapter in the sixth verse. You there? A son honors his father, a servant his master. If I am your father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, O Kohanim, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? I want you to understand this is the normal response of people who love the Lord. Like, what, what do you mean that we're showing contempt for your name? Do you know why? They didn't mean to. They didn't set out to say, you know what, as priests, we really want to suck at it. It comes from not showing reverence for God's name in your actions. The priests were accepting offerings from the people that were less than the best that people had to give. Now, the priest could justify that. I'm not bringing the offering. It was him who brought the offering. I just accepted it. Yes, but the priest represents God. Think about how that is true in your home. If you accept less than the best behavior from your children because you just wanted a quiet evening, if you accept less than the best behavior from your spouse because you just wanted to, to, you know, just lie low for the day, if you accept less than the best behavior from yourself, God takes that as an offense against His name. How did we treat you badly, Lord? How did we do it? The priests in this book were also treating... The privilege of, say privilege, privilege of serving the Lord as a burden. He mentions at point blank in in the first chapter. To treat what God has asked you to do as difficult, laborsome, a hardship is to insult God's name. Now, let's get brass tacks. Of course, some of the things that he asked to do are difficult. But we're to treat that difficulty as our greatest joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame. It is joy in difficulty that marks the life of a believer. The priest had made their work seem like a burden. If God requires something of you, do you want to shrug your shoulders? Do you want to tune out the message immediately? See, the priest represent God's feelings. And if the priest think his work is a burden... What will everybody who follows the priest think? You wonder why children act the way they do? You know why they act the way they do. Because you act the way you do. Where He still loves you. Do you love your kids when they misbehave? Yeah, but you want to grow them up, don't you? The Lord loves you at your present level of ministry, but He wants to elevate your priesthood. Are you sitting here as we're talking about elevating here and this point about it was contemptible. Somebody say contemptible. Contemptible. For the priest to think it a burden to carry out what the Lord had asked. See, as we're talking about elevating your priesthood, have you considered what extra burdens that's going to put on you today, even while we've been speaking? I did the first time I thought through this. Wow. Man, I'm already trying as much as I can. How can I do more? See, the truth is, is this is not a burden. 
It is a tremendous privilege. It is the greatest honor of your life. It is the greatest thing that we can ever hope to aspire. Oh, really? You're telling me I can get closer to the presence of God? You're telling me I can shed the things that are killing me anyway? I can get closer to Him? I can hear from Him better? I can move like Him better? I can think like Him better? That is not a burden for any man or woman in this room. That is the greatest privilege that you can have. There's nothing that we could try to do. There's no full price that we are not willing to pay. This is the greatest honor of your life. Do you want to elevate your priesthood? Yes. I wouldn't be very honest. This is difficult at every stage, and it's a great joy in that difficulty. In my own family, you've noticed that we're traveling a lot. 30-something thousand miles in like nine months. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a lot. Uh, we are living in a tent for... Uh, it's a nice tent, but it is on wheels. Uh, uh, and... And whatever that all entails, you can imagine that my 14-year-old daughter is uh, not always as excited as, uh, well, it's not as much fun to ride in a truck for 27 hours to get to a church meeting where she watches children as as you might think that is fun. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes, doing laundry at somebody else's house, not having anything to call our own or a corner to be in, or at least feeling that way, sometimes, sometimes... Uh, well, my wife is not as overflowing with joy as you might think. As a priest in my home, it's, it's certainly not easy, but it is a great joy. I want to give you a very practical example of how it looks. It looks like, hey, Jennifer, in the name of Jesus, we are going to stop talking about how difficult that is. We're going to put away this downcast attitude. Smile, honey. Walk around, sing praises. I'm, I'm telling you, we have to. In the name of Jesus, we have to. She cries. She walks around the corner and I get on my face and internally so she can't hear me. Jesus, this is so hard. We've got to elevate our level of priesthood. Our level of ministry is elevating and our devotion has to elevate with it. Or else you end up ineffective and unproductive. It's... Look, let me show you how concerned God is with this. There's a slide that, uh, rather than read the whole second chapter to you. Um, ten times in seven verses, God shows concern for his name. And he is upset that the priests are not giving proper reverence to his name. I want you to understand, it was not things that they were saying. It was their actions. They weren't saying, we don't love God's name. They weren't profaning His name as in breaking the third commandment verbally. They were profaning it by the way they were treating their duties. And God wanted to elevate the level of ministry in their lives. Our actions show far more than our words regarding our level of respect for God's name. See, with our mouth, it's easy to proclaim it. With your actions, it actually is a little bit harder. The Kohenim have to cultivate the greatest level of action. Say action. Action. That shows reverence for God's working on earth. The greatest level of lip service is not enough. For a Kohenim, it has to be action. For a chief Kohenim, it has to be extraordinary action. How we prioritize and weight the things of God over and beyond our own feelings. Over and beyond our own circumstances. Over and beyond our own relationships. That shows the level of reverence that you actually have for God's name. See, what we're trying to do is elevate what we're doing. Let's take a look at the second chapter of Malachi. It gives the Kohanim a reminder of how to elevate themselves out of their fallen position. 
It has seven facets. Let's show the next slide here. The very first thing that the priests were admonished to do, that they had to do to elevate their priesthood, was they had to have reverence for God above all else. Isn't that what Pastor Eric was just talking to us about? Above your own thoughts, above your own desires, above your own wishes, above your own experiences, above whatever it is, you are reverencing His name above all else. My goodness, how important is it to have reverence for God in the face of all competing items? Not on my anniversary, Pastor. But it's Valentine's Day. (laughs) But it's Christmas. Special days. Holidays. Family members. Your own desires. This, we're trying to get at the heart of what is really, really going on in our church and what God is demanding that we elevate. Because of a date on a calendar, do you automatically think about running somewhere else or have you actually asked the Lord that you might reverence His name? What is His desire for this day? Do you make your plans for the week never consulting the Lord because you just kind of got it worked out? Are you going to reverence His name? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? What do you say when you talk to them? Are you reverencing His name above all other competing factors? I don't think you understand, Pastor. This is just our culture. I mean, you, you don't get it. This is, this is gringo culture. <laughs> Saints, when you're thinking of culture, customs, events, understand everything is secondary to God's name, and you will, you will nod your head to that immediately. But never consider what God wants done on a particular day if it is your family custom to be doing something else on that day. Okay? As we, and the Lord will still love you. You just can't elevate your priesthood that way. To elevate your priesthood means every day belongs to Him. Every area belongs to Him. That you reverence His name above all else. The second one on our list is all of His name. Think about this. To stand at the place of the Holy of Holies as a chief priest. How awesome would that be? It wouldn't be a burden at all. That they're, they're All burdens are to be displaced by the awesomeness of His name. And by that I mean whatever the Lord directs you to do is awesome. That you see it with a perspective, with a mouth that's wide open, as a privilege, as a great honor that the Lord is giving you His very will for you to do on earth. And that by obeying that will, you are thereby able to please the King of Kings and demonstrate an overwhelming awe in addition to the reverence of His name. Does your attitude display that you think what God has asked for you in devotion is awesome, awesome, or awful? See, when we cringe, when we shrink back, when you're so filled with fear and insecurity that you can't do it, you're denying your position as given by God. You're denying your place in His holy nation when you do that. And that's the very thing that you uh, are worried about losing to take on the koinim status. The whole point here is Reverence for His name has to be displayed in every action. And the best way is not just with your feet. It's also with the attitude of your heart. Is it, is it awesome that you get to do this? Or is it awful that you have to do this? You can do it in either way. 
But one is contemptible to God and the other is not. The next one is true instruction. True instruction. Now, you sweet people out there, this is, this is important for you. It's also important for you people that have sharper edges like me. True instruction is derived from the word as God has spoken it. It's free from emotional pollution. It is not tainted with earthly wisdom. It is not uh, full of your own experience. It's full of the word of God. See, true instruction is not, well, I, I know for... This many years I've done this and it's the way I've always done it. So, you know what, sons? Well, I think you ought to do it. <laughs> Kohanim represent God. They do not represent their own name, their own experiences. They represent God. You are a priest at some level and God is elevating that. The words that flow from our mouths need to be derived from the Scripture and throne of God. True instruction. Look at the next one. Nothing false on the lips. Doesn't that seem like it's a redundant step here? If you have true instruction in step three, shouldn't it automatically be nothing false on your lips in step four? Huh? There must be something that the scripture is pointing at here because it never wastes a word. It doesn't waste a syllable. It doesn't waste a letter. See, nothing false. Do you, are you of the nature where you have to add a balancing statement to that true instruction that you gave? This is, this is a good one for me. This is a really good one for me. See, I want to add balancing statements. See, I want to tell you what the Lord said and then make sure you feel comfortable about what I just said to you. Church, that's contemptible to the Lord. Nothing false on the lips. Blunting the edge of God's word. Either with flattery or uh, let's just be honest. Sometimes let's, let's go both directions here. Do you either add flattery to what God is saying or are you unduly harsh about it? Because either direction is equally contemptible to the Lord. The Lord said for you to correct somebody. Well, I'm going to lay it down. And by the way, while I'm at it, you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And you ticked me off about that. And I don't like fix your hair while you're at it. Might as well just fix this I'm just going to fix it all. <laughs> is that what the Lord said to you or not? Or have you added false Something false to your lips. The Lord said one thing and you took it and ran and did ten. The Lord said one thing and you wimped out and you did something different. The Lord said one thing, but you kind of softened it because it was a little bit un... You just weren't comfortable with it. See, a priest is demanded to elevate your priesthood. You have to have nothing false on your lips in combination with the true instruction that's on your lips. Can somebody admit that sometimes you get this wrong? Oh, yeah. Man, those of you that can't admit that. Can somebody admit that you get this wrong? The Lord loves you right where you're at. We just can't elevate our priesthood like that. And he's calling us to elevate our priesthood. The next one in elevating our priesthood is shalom and uprightness. This is meaning that you're standing physically. Say physically. Physically. Emotionally. Say emotionally. Emotionally. And spiritually. Say spiritually. Spiritually. Standing in all three of those in the righteousness of the Lord in every situation presented. Whether you think it relates to God or men. Meaning that this, that your aim is for his right order, not your right order. That Pastor Wade just got through talking about not adding or subtracting from what the Lord is telling you to do and telling you to say. 
That when you're truly walking in shalom and uprightness in all three areas of your body, your soul, and your spirit, you are then able to stand in the center of his righteousness and have his right order. You see, a lot of times what happens is that we want to just throw in a little bit of our order into it. A little bit of us to make things a bit more palatable. We think that we can do a better job than God to bring right order if we just have a little bit of our hand into it. That's not shalom and uprightness. And I'm talking about all three categories of who we are. Not just spiritually and just emotionally, but physically not actually doing anything. But to have all three areas of the composition of who we are as human beings totally submitted to God, striving after His order. And relinquishing our right order. Reverence for God above all else. Say reverence. 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 All of his name. Everything that he says. Everything that he does. Everything he asks you to do. It's awesome. Say it's awesome. It's awesome. True instruction. Exactly what he tells you to say. No matter how difficult. With nothing added or subtracted. Say true. True. Nothing false on the lips. Meaning that you didn't add to it. Your balancing thought so that it would be received well say nothing false nothing false shalom standing where he says to stand physically emotionally and spiritually with both god and men say i'm taking my stand i'm taking my stand what does number six say turn many from sin i want you to understand that can't be done by saying hey stand up cody Cody, what you just did was sin but i love you so much and by the way that's a nice shirt and you got a handsome beard too Did God say all of that? Is that what he sent you to say? Or are you just such a cowardly Kohenim that you cannot say what God said and represent God? You'd rather represent yourself. Oh, he still loves you. He loves cowardly Kohenim too. I've been a cowardly Kohenim on many occasions. He still loves you. You just can't elevate your priesthood that way. He's elevating us. He's cultivating us. He's teaching us how. To be good Kohenim. One of the most defining characteristics of a Kohenim, particularly one that is moving to a chief Kohenim, is when people are around you, they turn away from their sin. We turn many from their sin. We don't accommodate sin. We don't excuse sin. And we don't execute people for their sin. We turn the people from their sin. This is the defining mark that God is going after in us. Okay? I know you are turning from sin. But if you represent Him well, you will turn others from sin. Amen? Amen. Look at the seventh one. To preserve knowledge. Do you realize that as you're walking through this, you're reverencing the name above, God's name above all else. All of His name. True instruction. Nothing false. Shalom and uprightness. Now you're turning many from sin. You are rightly preserving the knowledge of who God is. You are rightly preserving the knowledge of his word and what it looks like to walk this out, that your every action preserves what can be known about God and its truthfulness. We're going to look at a few things, and that is that priests come in three age ranges. The first one is the age range of one to age 25. In this age range, you have reverence and shalom that is based on learning the priesthood. Learning the priesthood. This is when you're observing other and older men of God who are demonstrating these seven admonitions for the priest. Watching them expertly 
carry these things out, looking to mimic them at every turn. But I can say from my own life that somewhere around the age of 18 to about 24, 23, I thought that I was done with learning. I was ready to start doing. I had not yet learned everything that there was about being a priest. And I, I needed the opportunity and the extra devotion to fix my eyes on older, wiser men of God that could teach me how to demonstrate these attributes. The next age grouping for priests was 26 to 50. Their reverence for God's name, their shalom, was based on performing the hardest work in the priesthood. Listen, weaknesses are different at every age. The 25-year-old is struggling with things that the 65-year-old ought not be struggling with. But the 65-year-old is struggling with things that the 25-year-old has never considered. When you're 25, there's enough testosterone to be working through your body to uh, fuel a a professional football team's steroid use, okay? And because of that, aggression and lust are are big battles. The good news is, is that starts to decrease every year after 30 because your body simply doesn't produce as much of it, and hopefully you've curbed your sinful nature. When you're 65, that ought not be the greatest struggle in your life, but you're starting to have fears and insecurities that a 25-year-old's never considered. Like, wow, I'm walking in a dark parking lot and I heard, I heard noises over there. The 25-year-old's excited. He thinks he's going to beat somebody up. The 65-year-old is considered that he might be too old to take that kind of beating. Okay? We have... Nor- <laughs> you thought that the 25-year-old thinks it's funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's... it's why you get your concealed carry permit in Texas, you know, uh, as you get older. I, I, I want you to get something. The Lord loves you at every level of this process. But you can't advance your ministry. You can't elevate your level of priesthood if you don't conquer what attacks that level of ministry. From 0 to 25, you need to learn. And some things are going to war against that. From 25 to 50, you actually need to be doing the hardest things that a man can do. At 50. Somebody say at 50. At 50. Now, you cannot like this, but this is true. At 50, something needs to change. From 50 on, the idea of reverence and shalom are based on assisting the younger priests in the preservation of knowledge, and you're moving the responsibility to the next generation. See, (laughs) the age that we are getting close to approaching now. Getting close. You first. (laughs) Actually, me first, and then Jim. So, see, at this age, what is the purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? See, I've just completed a season where I've done all the hard work that could be done. I, I, I went after every difficult task. Now, the reverence and shalom. The Lord has loved me in each of these stages, but now in this stage, He's going to love me. But to elevate my priesthood, I have to assist the younger priest in the preservation of knowledge. I have to help the people behind me to make sure that they're doing it well. I'm not doing it for them. It's not my hand that's on the plow. It's my voice that's in their ear. It's me helping and instructing so that they can have that responsibility rightly handed to the next generation. What kind of voice in their ear? One based on your worldly wisdom? One based on your emotion? One based on all of your life's experience? Or one based on the 50 years that you've been hearing from God and your ability to do it right now in their ear. Well, the Lord loves LCM. And we are called to cultivate the Kohanim in this very room. Amen. We're elevating our priesthood 
to chief priest. I want you to look at our, our leaders here today. And one in particular, the Sutherland family. And within the Sutherland family, Christy. Christy is an example of an elevating in priesthood. That there was a death of her father on Wednesday. She's in church on Sunday. There'll be a funeral on Monday. And she'll be back at church for the New Year's Eve bonfire on Tuesday. Somebody say that's elevated. That's elevated. In that process, she is elevating her level of ministry. Shouldn't we elevate our level of ministry to match that example? What specifically is elevating her level of ministry? Her level of personal sacrifice. Her level of devotion. And it's not sadism. There are principles that are taught in the Word that she's embracing and finding joy in. And because of that, she's helping to lead us all very well. This is a privilege. This this privilege is the presence of God, the anointing of God, and it is directly linked to your level of devotion. See, God will not stand for those that are less devoted being given more of His presence. He won't stand for that. You have to represent Him in sacrifice and devotion to represent Him in power and presence. Man. See, another way to say what Pastor just said is that elevated devotion brings His presence and anointing in greater ways. You want more of God's presence? It's going to demand that you elevate your devotion. Let's turn together to our final passage of Scripture here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Hey, y'all let us know that you're awake. We are preaching our hearts out. We have cultivated this word. We've agonized. There's not an elder in this church that hasn't shed tears over this word. There's not a pastor in this church that has not shed tears. This has so broken us to pieces that we decided to bring it to you, but in bite-sized portions. We're going to break this up for you over a few weeks. God gave it to us all at once, and i got to tell you, it was a crushing process to realize how far we still have to go. And if I was not able to look and see how far we've come then I don't know if I could do it. But the thing is, is He loved me then, He loves me now, and He will love me as I become all He's called me to be. He's elevating this priesthood. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 2 says this, Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed. Somebody say alarmed. Alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Well, good for you, Jehoshaphat. Isn't that awesome? We're going we're gonna to be alarmed, so we're going to go inquire of the Lord. Yeah, it might be more elevated for us to just be constantly inquiring of the Lord so that it doesn't even matter what's coming around the corner. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Praise God. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek Him. See, we know that this church knows how to cry out to the Lord when things get tough. We, we know that we, you'll run to the Lord on those, those difficult days. What we're trying to do is say, elevate your priesthood, church. Man, He loves you when you do that. He loves you when you get alarmed and you resolve yourself to cry out to the Lord. But an elevated priest says, I'm going to do this all the time. I'm going to stay in such a desperate mode for his spirit. I literally don't know what to do next if he doesn't tell me. I know you want me to have my day well planned out, but I I can only tell you as much as what the Lord has told me. See, the Lord loves you, but you can't elevate your priesthood by seeking the Lord in times of trouble alone. Let's look at verse 5. 
Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. What you hear is, hear here is the voice of the Lord showing that he loves the inhabitants of Judah. And as they cultivate their memory of the promises, you can perceive their priesthood beginning to elevate. Don't we need to remember the good things that God has done? Thereby promising that he's going to continue to do things, but it requires something of us. That we need His help to elevate our priesthood. Do you want to elevate your priesthood this morning? Look at where we are in verse 8. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. Saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. See, the sanctuary bears the name. We're to have reverence for the name above all names. That's key to an elevated priesthood. Which really means that you have to reverence His name above your safety. You have to reverence His name above your preferences. You have to reverence His name above your wisdom, your emotions, above your present circumstances. Well, I, I just can't because this... Ha- no, 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 no. His name you can. Yeah. You have to reverence His name above your relatives. Let that one sink in for a minute. Do you represent God to your relatives? You have to represent, represent Him no matter what your perceived reality is. Well, in this situation, I just feel as if I'm compromised. So I, I just don't think I can. You don't represent you. You represent God. It's not your opinion. It's not your performance. It is your God-ordained calling. And we're saying the Lord loves you right where you are. But He wants to elevate your priesthood. Look at verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us. Wow. What an interesting thought. The Lord did not allow them to attack these people at that time because it was going to hurt the people of God. He said, leave them alone. See how they're repaying us? See, again, these are those words that show where your heart really is. Man, I can't believe they did that to me. Lord, I'm concerned about your name, but it's what they're doing to me. How many times have we thought that? How many times have you taken it as a personal offense instead of actually, if you're representing God rightly, you should be offended that they're repaying the Lord for what He has done. He could have destroyed them before. They're repaying this by coming to drive us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. See, what's trying to drive you out of your role as a Cohen today? What is trying to drive you away from the sanctuary, from where God's presence stands and where you must stand? What is trying to drive you away from the joy of service into a land of burden and drudgery? 
Come on, the Lord may still love you, and He does still love you, but you can't elevate your priesthood that way. Come on. Say this with me. The Lord loves me. The Lord loves me. And wants me to elevate my priesthood. And wants me to elevate my priesthood. Let's look at verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. The Lord knows that you don't know what to do. Right? He's the most high God. He sees exactly what's going on. And that, that, is, when, or the, uh, that is when we, his, uh, or when his word is written, so that you can receive the directions from the Most High God. That is why there are levels of priesthood, so that you can receive instruction that God is giving through that priesthood. That is why, that means that the Lord loves us at every level, but He's calling each of us from Kohenim to Chief Kohenim. And that means being Chief Kohen of, number one, your home. That is the responsibility that God has given you to be Chief Kohen over. Could you take some higher ground in your home? Yes. Secondly, your situation. Where God has placed your feet to be, He has designed you to be that chief Cohen, His representative right there on earth in that situation. Having His mind and His will on earth as it is in heaven. Can you grab some higher ground in your present situation? Yes. yes. Oh, let's talk about your children. It, it is your responsibility to be that chief Cohen over your children. To direct them in the ways of the Lord. And that means leading them by the hand and also giving them some direction from behind as well. It's your responsibility to be the chief Cohen over those that God has given you as dependents. Who's going to elevate their priesthood with their children? Oh, the next one is your crisis. So we talked about situations before, but I'm talking about the situations that blow up, that everything is just breaking loose, that God has designed for you to be in that moment. And be his chief Cohen in the midst of crisis to bring that right order, that uprightness, that shalom through your sacrifice and devotion as a chief Cohen for that crisis situation. Who's going to elevate their priesthood in the next crisis? Oh, I'm talking about also your daily disciplines, acting like a chief Cohen, increasing and elevating that level of devotion of seeking his face, not just for yourself, but what a chief Cohen would do was have it prepared to give to other people. Amen. Who's going to have that overcoming attitude in the midst of their daily disciplines? Amen. Your soils of your heart. That what God has entrusted to you as a chief Cohen is to look at, evaluate, and cultivate the soils of your heart so that every boundary that exists within your heart is that type of noble soil that will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. If God is plowing your heart again and again through these messages, rejoice that he is cultivating you as a chief Cohen to take responsibility for the condition of your own heart. Last, lastly, your function within the one church on earth that he's placed you in. Standing right here. He has made you and calling you to be a chief Cohen. 
to stand in the epicenter of his presence, that holy of holies, to be transformed and allow others to be transformed by that responsibility you have as a chief Cohen. As Peyton makes his way up here, I want to focus on this last verse. All the men, say all, all, all the men of Judah with their wives and their children and their little ones. That tells you that the first children are not babies. All the men of Judah with their wives and their children and little ones stood there before the Lord. See, LCM is cultivating the koinim. We're going to become elevated priesthood, chief priest. It'll start in your homes. It'll start in your families. It'll show up with your relatives. But all of us are going to higher ground. This is not an individual calling. This is not for Tom alone. It's for Martha sitting next to him. Because the men of Judah, with their wives, it's not for Tom and Martha alone. It will have a gravitational pull on all the rest of their family. It's for their children. It's not just for their children. It's for their grandchildren. You can see this kind of gravitational pull happening in the Brown home. You can see it. As Charlie has done well with the Lord, Joe has done well with the Lord. All of their children are being reassembled on the same street. Their grandchildren are beginning to do well with the Lord. As we elevate the priesthood, it elevates those that are around us. This was a whole family calling. It was never an individual calling. It's also not one area. It's not like, oh, well, in, in, um, in the area of holidays, I, I think I could do better with holidays. It's not a Sunday or Wednesday issue. Well, I, I need to commit, Pastor, to make Sundays and Wednesdays. How could you be a priest without that commitment? We're talking about those that are already priests. It's in every area and at all times to be before the Lord. And your commitment is you, those you are responsible for, and those they are responsible for, that you will help them all stand before the Lord. Not stand at the latest sporting event. Stand before the Lord. See, that's what Koinim do. They move a whole nation towards God. And chief Koinim, look at the other Koinim and care how they're doing. I want to remind you that we started in Revelation 1. There is the man that you are right now. The one that is sitting in the seats. Perhaps you're feeling some conviction. No one should be feeling condemnation. The Lord loves you right where you are. But He's going to elevate our priesthood. The man that you are right now is not the man that you were six months ago. That's why we're life-changing ministries. It's why we fight so hard for it. Your own progress ought to encourage you. But it's also true that the man you will be tomorrow cannot be the man that you are today. Cannot. You have to identify the areas that are killing your priesthood. You have to identify the dead things that you can no longer go back to because God has raised your level. It was okay last year, but it's not okay this year. You have to identify that. You have to identify the areas where God's name in your words is important, but no one 
could tell by the way that you act in that area. Sometimes people are at their worst behavior with the people they love the most. It's weird. God wants a full-time chief coiny. That's what he wants. As we are getting ready to stand, we're next going to talk about how to purify the priesthood. It's going to be from Numbers 25. All of you should be reading that before Tuesday. You should also be praying for words. Then next Sunday, we're going to talk about not a thousand generations. We're going to talk about a perpetual priesthood. See, God is leading our church into something, and the church is you. We're we're leaders, but you are the church. God is leading our church into something that will birth priests in every generation for perpetuity. Forever. Man, how precious to be a part of something like that. It only works, though, if you start with your priesthood of your family. You can never be a part of the whole without personally participating. So we stand to our feet. I want to go back to the priesthood. The priesthood, what they wore, what they ate, who they married, who they could be around, even how they handled the funeral was dictated. The only difference between them and the chief priest is the chief priest had even more specific instructions. At every level of ministry, God will speak new standards to you. Because He wants a growing devotion in you. Because He wants to anoint you in new ways and empower you in new ways. This is what it means to grow in the kingdom. Don't survive on yesterday's anointing. Don't try to pass off yesterday's level of devotion today. Today, a new level of dedication and a new level of empowerment. That comes as you identify the priesthood killing things in your life. Father, we're asking now that in every family in this room, you would show us the very things that you've allowed because you love us. But that same love is compelling us to go higher. We want to represent you and represent you well. Lord, we're asking that you circumcise away our sinful nature that devotion would rise in our hearts that you might be able to entrust us with more anointing. One thing we're asking, Lord, to look upon your face. So we're saying, what must go? In the name of Jesus, we commit our way.